When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holler at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Everyone deserves a chance in the driver's seat. For GM and Revolt, that means leading the way on the road to an all-electric future and envisioning a world with zero crashes, zero tailpipe emissions, and zero congestion. GM's committed to making EVs accessible for everybody. That means you too. So what are you waiting for? GM's got the keys. You grab the wheel. Learn more about an all-electric future and the 000 initiative at GM.com. GM, everybody in. What's up? It's your man, Dogfish, Carl Rome. Y'all know y'all supposed to pop that popcorn right now. Y'all know y'all can get y'all milk and cookies ready. I'm finna talk about you po' broke-ass bitches. I just jumped off the porch with Dirty Glove Bastard. All right, so we got Dollface jumping back off the porch with us today. What's the word? How you feel? Man, I'm feeling great. How you feeling today, man? I'm all right. I ain't got no complaints. Okay, yeah. So what else you got shaking here in Atlanta during this trip, man? What else you got working? Uh, a bunch of different things going on, man. One, uh, I got some new cats I'm working with. Uh, FIB hood cats, uh, Gunline cats. So okay. I'm down here, I'll be on the gun line in the studio with them uh, for the next couple of weeks trying to knock a project out. Yeah. And so it's the whole FIB hood, whole gun line click, West Side Atlanta. Okay. There you go, man. And introduce uh, who you got sitting behind you today, too, man. That's my son, Legendary Reed. You hear me? There it is. It's a big boy right there. He the oldest one. Okay. That's what's good, man. Nah, I love, I love to see moving with family, man. That's yeah, no what doubt. it's all about at the end of the day, no, too. No doubt. Man. You learn that. If, if, if a person hasn't learned that, as he starts to mature, develop whoever they are, they'll learn. It's always better to ride with family. Absolutely, yeah. All right, so, so how did you get your start in the music industry, bro? Oh, shit, man. Uh, I, I did some time in the penitentiary. I did... Uh, 15 years, nine months, and 29 days straight in the penitentiary. Right? That's a little more than some time. Yeah, That's little, some little time. A little bit. When I came home, uh, I jumped into the music business. I was kind of older, though. You know what I'm saying? So all the time I had did. So it didn't take me long. I dropped a couple of projects. Uh, it didn't take me long to realize that, you know, that, that you know, it, there's no limit to how old a person is in terms of whether they can rap or not. But mm -hmm. in my mind, I feel like I was better suited behind the scenes versus in front of a microphone. So I dibbled and dabbled with the music business for a minute as far as rapping. Okay. And then, you know, the way my mind works, I felt like I would be better situated or better suited behind the scenes. Yeah. So did you have any type of experience with the music industry or were you just... No, bro, I didn't have any. I was in the penitentiary, <laughs> you hear me? <laughs> the only experience I had was listening to cassette tapes in the penitentiary, you feel me? That's yeah. the only experience I had. Uh, I read magazines like everybody else did when we was in prison, okay. Source, Vibe, Double XL. Uh, that was it, though. I didn't have no experience whatsoever. Before I went, I wasn't fucking with no music. I was on some gangster shit. Yeah. So when you did get, get into the industry, did you have anyone to kind of give you that game, or were you kind of just learning it up by yourself then? Uh, I mean, as far as rapping or behind the scenes? Behind shit? the scenes. 
Uh, well, behind the scenes, well, I mean, Detroit was a, is a different animal from Detroit. So uh, when I decided to go behind the scenes, uh, the first thing I did was just observed what was already going on, right? And I was wise enough to know that a lot of the people who were calling themselves like the uh, marketing experts, the pr promotional geniuses and the so-called managers, a lot of them motherfuckers was fake and phony, bro. It was kind of like in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man the king, it was, it's king. Mm -hmm. So a lot of them was claiming to be X, Y, and Z or experts at this, that, and the third. But, and they were able to do that because most of the artists at that particular point in time didn't know shit about the music business. So most of the artists couldn't distinguish whether a manager was a real manager or just saying he was a manager. Whether a promoter was a, or a marketing expert or a PR expert was really that or... A lot of motherfuckers didn't understand uh, the language in the music business. And that still happens today where you have motherfuckers who are involved with the music business but they can't differentiate between who real and who fake because they don't know. Like Detroit, it wasn't like Atlanta. You know what I'm saying? We were behind the curve with a lot of shit. We had a lot of talent there, but most of the people who made it out of Detroit, they made it out. They didn't really come back to educate. We didn't have a so-so deaf or a Rockefeller or a Def Jam or any of that kind of shit. You know what I'm saying? You had local labels, but they didn't have anybody with like crazy national exposure. So a lot of times you had people learning about the music business by watching shit on YouTube and reading magazines. A lot of them motherfuckers didn't know what the fuck they was talking about, bro. Yeah. They was just saying they were X, Y, and Z with no real context, resources, or connections. Uh, so when I came up, I had a couple of people who kind of like pulled me to the side and gave me game. Uh, one of them, a female named Carol Dorsey. Carol Dorsey is BG's auntie from Cash, uh, mm. from Cash Money fame. Uh, the first person who really kind of like introduced me to the behind the scenes and and, and kind of like guided me in terms of what I was supposed to do, it would be Carol Dorsey. I watched her, you know what I'm saying? She a shark in a room full of, you know what I'm saying, guppies, right? So she gave me a lot of game. Uh, also, my man Floss a lot. Floss a lot gave me a lot of game too. He kind of like, like pulled me close on some mentorship and kind of like gave me, you know, the what for and the how to. It kind of like calmed me down too, because when I first came home from the penitentiary, man, I was all amped up. I was all jacked up on Mount Dew. You know what I'm saying? So uh, he kind of like helped refine me, kind of, you know, told me, you know, not to overreach here, pull back here, when to go, when not to go. You know what I'm saying? So Floss Lot, Carol Dorsey were the two people who I would say had a major impact on, you know, just my style of management late, later on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Above and beyond all the things that I kind of like, you know, gathered myself. I got you, man. So why did they call you the bad guy up there in Detroit, man? Well, man, so that shit kind of like all started. Like the music business is a motherfucker, as you guys already know, right? And I always say the music business is more cutthroat than the dope game, bro. Cause you got a bunch of people who want to be famous and they'll do almost anything to gain that like fame. They all want 15 minutes of fame. So a motherfucker, you can be the kind of person, I can invest 20, 30, 40,000, 100,000 in a motherfucker, right? And if somebody else comes along, that person believes know, knows more than me, despite the fact that I put my money on the line, or I found funding for that person to kind of like launch or advance or promote their career, a motherfucker turn on you quick, man. A motherfucker, these motherfuckers in the music business, bro, this shit is not like what people think it is. Motherfuckers will do anything 
for some fame. They'll do anything for clout. Like they say nowadays, they do anything, bro. So, you know, if I'm putting my time, effort, energy, and my, my resources behind you, and you do some flaky shit to me, I, I, I'm a penitentiary motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? I'm a, I'm a street motherfucker. I ain't come out of Harvard, Yale, none of that shit. I come out of the street, you hear me? So, you know, I was bumping heels some motherfuckers when I first started, because one, they ain't know me. I came out of nowhere. So a lot of motherfuckers was like, man, who the fuck is he? Who the fuck he think he is type of shit, right? So, you know, as I was learning about the business, I knew that a lot of them motherfuckers was fake, so I was calling them out. You know what I'm saying? I was using Instagram when Instagram first started. I was, I was using Facebook okay. and Twitter for evil. You know what I'm saying? I ain't mad. <laughs> I wasn't holding my tongue. So a lot of times, so, so the people who were kind of like running the scene then in Detroit, they was kind of like banding together against me. Oh, he don't, who, who the fuck is he? You know what I'm saying? Who he think he is type of shit. He ain't nobody type of shit. So I was fucking their ass up, man. I catch their ass at the open mics or whatever the little event is. Now I punch them in their shit, man. You know, or whatever the case may be, whatever it took. You know what I'm saying? So the word, it didn't take long for motherfuckers to start to accuse me of being unprofessional, not knowing the business. Uh, Detroit is known for uh, motherfuckers uh, being about what they say about, for the most part, you know what I'm saying? A lot of our rappers, as you guys already know, bro, a lot of these motherfuckers didn't make it, end up dead or in penitentiary because they were really living what they were rapping about, you know what I'm saying? They couldn't break apart and separate that shit. So Detroit, one of the reasons why it was so hard for us to break into the industry, the real industry as a whole, was because a lot of the guys didn't know how, they, they, don't, they didn't understand that the music business, bro, is not, they looking at cash money, no limit. They looking, they looking at the image that motherfuckers created in some boardroom about what this shit is supposed to be about. But now nah, the motherfuckers who really run the game, the motherfuckers, the motherfuckers who write the checks, push the button, send the emails that can change your life like that. How them motherfuckers ain't about that gangster shit. So when you rub shoulders with them, if you don't know how to respond and react, then you're gonna get yourself blackballed, get yourself blacklisted. So. Uh, in the city of Detroit, bro, it was a bunch of fake motherfuckers, man. And, uh, and, and a lot of shit they was doing, I didn't feel like that shit was right. There was a lot of playing games, a lot of your word wasn't bond type shit, and I wasn't with that shit, so I... When something happens to your kitchen, you might say... This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. You know, you got one time to cross me. Back then, I'm a little more calm now because I'm old. But back then, man, I'd bust your motherfucking ass, man. And so that's how it started. Motherfuckers was accused me of being unprofessional. You know what I'm saying? It spread quick. It didn't take long for motherfuckers. Even though I do good business, and I was about my word, a motherfucker didn't know that until they got up close and personal with me, man. And I, I got a lot of, oh, we thought you were X, Y, and Z. But it wasn't because of their own personal experience with me. It was because somebody else told them. Mm -hmm. So it was a bunch of that kind of shit. So I didn't mind fucking the motherfucker up, man. That's just the long and short of it. Yeah. Did you have to experience a lot of uh, like other people trying to come in and take your artists, like you were mentioning? No, I beat their ass, bro. You hear me? I got an artist, you fuck my artist, we fucking, I'm fucking you up. You know what I'm saying? Simple as that. You do anything to me that I didn't like. So it just makes you, you do anything that I don't like. You say anything that I didn't like. 
I'm gonna come to where, I'm gonna stalk your fucking social media. I'm gonna figure out where you gonna be. And I'm gonna pop up. It was plenty of times when the promoters were like, man, cause I got cars and shit that's noticeable. So if my car out front in front of a club where you're doing an open mic or doing some kind of event, motherfuckers know I'm in that motherfucker. And I'm there to beat your motherfucking ass. If you've done anything wrong to me, it's kind of like, even if, a, even if another motherfucker says something about me and you like it, I'm beating your ass for liking that shit. I'm, I'm, I'm going to at least confront you and ask you, I got on screenshot that shit. Like, what's this here? You like this little shit the nigga said about me. So my father, man, you out of control. You know what I'm saying with that shit. So that's where like the flosses and the Carol Dorsey's came in also. Cause once I started to get known, once I started to get traction, like, bro, you gotta calm down because uh, uh, these boys ain't really laying like that. They saying that, but they ain't laying like that. I had the conversation with Trick Trick just like about a decade ago. And he's like, bro, you know what I'm saying? You just came home from the penitentiary. You, you uh, these in, with the whole goon squad shit. You know that that no flat that shit was real, right? So he, trick trick out of all people like bro, you gotta calm down. You know what I'm saying? Cause a lot of this shit, you gonna end up back in prison, away from your family, or dead. Fucking one of these coward motherfuckers, man. And, and you don't want that. You know what I'm saying? This shit is about longevity. It's about staying free. It's about enjoying whatever it is you build. Yeah, yeah. So that's where it came from. I feel that, man. So, you know, the Detroit music scene is finally getting some respect in the game, man. Right. So how do you feel about, I'm sure it's been long overdue that, you know, Detroit finally getting its proper, uh, you know, props for it. Right. Everything that's been going on these right. last few years. Right. The talent has been there. Uh, and I think that, you know, that question is asked, like, why did it take so long? Like, everybody, every region, like, in every major city has had their day. But it, it has taken us longer than... Uh, than other cities, despite the fact that we've had the talent all along. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the reasons is because a lot of the, the early pioneers of this shit, they was on some gangster shit. So they scared off a lot of, a lot of potential, right? And they scared off a lot of the people who were, uh, who were in the position to help. Uh, scared the motherfucker off, man. And then the people who were claiming to be, like I said earlier, the top managers, the top PR people, the top behind this. A lot of them niggas didn't have no contacts or connections, bro. And if they did, they only used them for themselves. They ain't used them trying to kind of like spread the love. Yeah. And we compare like Detroit to Atlanta, where it seems like people think that everybody in Atlanta get along. That's not true. But when it's Atlanta- It's got that image at least. Yeah, it's that image. But, when, but what is true is that when Atlanta got the lane, just going back to the Jermaine Dupree's and the whole shit, when you start to kind of like bubble, and when Atlanta first became known as like the epicenter of hip-hop, right? A lot of the motherfuckers was working together, whether they got along or not, because they understood that money was on the flow. In Detroit, it's different. In Detroit, it's like, fuck you. It ain't, it ain't, there is no coming together. There is no meeting of the minds for the greater good of getting that money. Hell no. That ain't how it is up there, because it's real life beef, real life problems, and motherfuckers not finna put that history down. You know, they just not, you know. So Detroit is finally getting they just do. It's a long time overdue, man. Absolutely. And, we, and you know, we ready. Yeah. We ready. Boys, more than ready, man. I'm, I'm proud of everybody who has made their mark on hip hop. Yeah. And it's just the beginning. Because we got a lot of young talent that's coming along behind them. It's mm -hmm. really going to take us to the next level of the game. Absolutely. And what role would you say you played in kind of helping blowing up the music scene there in Detroit there? Uh, that's a loaded question, bro. <laughs> you hear me? <laughs> you know, because... I'm known for being a shit-talking motherfucker, but to be truthful, 
uh, when it comes to spreading Detroit sound, when it, when it comes to like, when it came to like championing Detroit sound and music, you, you can't talk about people who have taken the actual sound and taken uh, and, and, and uh, just kind of like taking the brand of what was being built to different cities. You can't talk about that shit without talking about me in this day and age. I ain't talking about no 20, 30 years ago. I don't know about that shit in penitentiary, eating news and shit, right? But in the last 10 years, in terms of a motherfucker going from city to city with my own money, championing Detroit sound, I was on my own shit, but everywhere I went, whether it was LA, Memphis, St. Louis, and I ain't talking about Memphis right now, where shit's going crazy. I'm talking about Memphis where you still had 3-6 Mafia was the king. Yo Gotti wasn't even the king at that point in time. I was going to Memphis, tapping in with Trust the OG, Matt Gutter, JP1, DJ Zerk, the legends, the chat, all of them. I was going down there throwing concerts, independent concerts down in St. Louis, Atlanta, Tuscaloosa, Birmingham, Alabama. This is back in 13, 14. And I was spreading the word and I was linking artists from Detroit up with artists from the Tampa Bay, it was not Tampa, that put to the point time, but at the beginning, uh, 12, 13, 14, I was kind of like networking, trying to build alliances with cities that I felt like hadn't blew up yet. You feel what I'm saying? Because yeah. Memphis was known with the whole crunk shit and the whole, but you know, the motherfuckers who kind of like flow like we flow, the underground motherfuckers, mm -hmm. they hadn't blown up yet, you feel me? Mm -hmm. So I was down in Memphis in 12, 13, 14, linking up with all the underground uh, artists, uh, linking up with the DJs, radio personalities, trying to bring that connection back home to Detroit as a gatekeeper, you feel what I'm saying? Yeah. I was in Tuscaloosa, Birmingham, Alabama, when Doe beating them was first took off with that hustle gang shit, when there was no connection between nobody in Detroit and Tuscaloosa, Birmingham, Alabama, I was there, plugged in the committee, and boys would tell you, Zab, the boys out of Tuscaloosa, they'd tell you I was there, linking up, trying to make the connections, you feel me? Because yeah. my philosophy is, and was, and still is that, just because you're from a particular city, bro, just because I'm from Detroit, and, and, and just because the artists that I was represented at that particular point in time were like primarily from Detroit, just because they're from Detroit, that don't mean that's where you're gonna get hot at first, bro. Mm -hmm. You might have a sound that's more playable in St. Louis, in Memphis, in Alabama, in somewhere else, but you'll never know it if you don't move and you don't travel around and tap in with the underground, you feel me? Yeah, absolutely. Do you feel like you get your props for your contributions to the Detroit music scene then? Hell no. That's like saying, does Jesus get his props from dying and saving these wretched motherfuckers? Hell no. Nah. You know, you know in, inside the urban communities, bro, there's a, there's a thing about, there's, there's, there's like some poison in the water. When it, I don't get, not just Detroit, but just everywhere. When motherfuckers don't want to give motherfuckers their props, man. You know what I'm saying? Motherfuckers don't want to get it. You got to take your shit. You know what I'm saying? Motherfuckers don't want to give you shit. Yeah. Motherfuckers will downplay whatever you did for your city because they just don't want to see you shine. It's the crab in the barrel type shit. Mm -hmm. That's a real thing, you hear me? So no, nah, motherfuckers don't give me my prop, man. You know, motherfuckers, I'm the first motherfucker from Detroit to ever start an underground independent music tour where I was doing sold out shows in Memphis, sold out shows. And I was bringing Detroit artists from Detroit, underground Detroit artists to St. Louis, Memphis, Alabama. This is 10 years ago. And then I was linking them up. So it wasn't just having them perform in venues out of the state. 
it was like I was connecting the dots between the top underground artists in Memphis, the top underground artists in Birmingham, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, the top underground artists in fucking St. Louis. It's me who did that. Yeah. Within my Mob Life music tour. Motherfuckers wasn't doing no shit like that. Motherfuckers didn't see, didn't understand the, the, the reason for doing something like that. You hear me? Mm -hmm. It's one thing to do a song with somebody from your home city. It's another thing to do a song with somebody who's the top at what he does, you know, in terms of being an underground artist in Birmingham, Alabama, Tuscaloosa, Memphis, St. Louis. It's kind of like you trading fan bases, you know? Yeah. So that's why I did it. But no, nah, motherfuckers ain't gonna give me my prop. I, and then I'm too arrogant already. So motherfuckers don't want to give me nothing more than what I got coming. You hear me? <laughs> yeah, it seemed like the turning point was T Grizzly's first day out. Um, yeah, in, in modern hip hop, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you have people who have who feel. You have people in Detroit who feel. Uh, either you like T. Grizzly, you don't. Either you enjoy what you got, what you, what you got, or you don't. But when it comes to kind of like showing, he was the first underground artist who talked about street shit that blew on a major level. You know what I'm saying? Unlike the Big Shines and Eminem's and uh, even the Royster Five Nines mm. who enjoyed commercial success but they didn't really represent the street. He was the first street motherfucker that actually got the shot. So he kind of like opened the door. He was a gateway for modern hip hop in terms of showing the executives and the power people that yeah, oh, they, them boys got something to say and it's marketable and we can make money off of this shit. Real shit. Uh, do you feel like uh like you mentioned, the OG rappers like Eminem, Big Sean, Royce the Five Nine, that they should be criticized for kind of not putting on other Detroit artists as well? Well, uh, it's like a double-edged sword, right? So it's kind of like you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't, right? Uh, and that question has been asked. I don't, if you're from Detroit, you're going to get asked that question if it's a real interview. If you're sitting in front of somebody like yourself, the, that interviewer is going to ask that question about, like the whole Eminem question. Do you feel like Eminem has done enough for hip hop or for artists, you know, rap or just music game in City Detroit? In my opinion, the answer is no. I feel like he could do more. So then I've heard people say, well, is he obligated? It's like saying, is Coach K and P obligated to help motherfuckers from Atlanta? Uh, is, was Jermaine Dupree obligated? to help motherfuckers from Atlanta or wherever. Yeah, if you're from a city, you represent the city, then even if it's not your crew, not your clique, it is, it is your responsibility as a, a person who's in the limelight to try to aid and assist other people. I mean, because it's enough, it's enough money for everybody. So yeah, so do I feel like he did enough as far as Eminem? Nah, no, not in this generation. In his generation, you know, he probably did you know, all that he thought he could. But in modern hip hop, man, nah, hell no. You got motherfuckers now who are at the top of the totem pole right now who don't have no relationship with him whatsoever. Now, that's not stopping them. And they're not sitting back waiting. But it would be nice if somebody who's a fucking rock star in every corner of the globe would kind of like stick his hand in some of this shit. Yeah, that would be nice. Is he obligated to do it? He ain't obligated to do a motherfucker thing. But on some real nigga shit, if you use Detroit whatsoever, and I believe that a part of Eminem's mystique is the fact that he was a white boy from a predominantly black city who was able to basically out-rap the black people. 
like Elvis Presley. Elvis Presley was famous in part because he was a white guy who was able to take rock and roll and, and make, it digest, make it cool. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't cool for young black kids in the 1950s and 60s to kind of like be shaking their ass to rock and roll. So because Elvis was, he took it, absorbed it, and spit it back out in a way that made it cool and acceptable for young white teens all across the globe to kind of like embrace it because it was a, a white face on black culture. So yeah, I think that the motherfucker does have a responsibility and obligation. I don't get, even the guys right now, not just him, but you got guys right now who are on, who moving and shaking, who they're doing an all right job of trying to reach back and grab motherfuckers trying to help. I think this generation is doing better than the previous generation in terms of networking, working, and giving the help a hand to each other. Yeah. I believe that. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I agree with you on that one, man. All right, so what's your thoughts about it? You know, the Detroit rappers that have been coming down here to Atlanta and beefing, some of them getting robbed, everything that's been going on lately, man. Uh, without getting specific and saying no names, uh, I'm a street motherfucker, right? So I came up in the streets, I've been through everything, right? So I'm thinking that a lot of these guys are just now tasting money with the success they have, right? Without saying no names. And when you're young, black, you don't really come from a lot of success. When you start to get money, you start to feel yourself. You start to take liberties. <laughs> and you start to do and say shit that when you was like stone cold in the streets, you know better, you know better than do that kind of shit. Uh, so, you know, a lot of motherfuckers in Detroit and not just Detroit. A lot of motherfuckers look at Atlanta like it was just all titty bars, bro. Magic City, Folly, Strokers. So they looked at Atlanta like it was still freaknik days. Like, oh, is this the place to go where you want to get a badass bitch from Strip, right? They didn't understand because they hadn't, they ain't never traveled for real, for real, to understand that Atlanta got a dark side to it. It ain't all strip clubs down here, man. These niggas down here, they feel like you feel back wherever you from. So when you come down here, and because Atlanta is like the black entertainment mecca, it's a lot, a lot of shit to do down here, a lot of fun to be had. But you still, you still gotta recognize that it's motherfuckers down here that get busy, bro. So when you come down here, you got to move like you would move in your own city. You come down here and you thinking in your mind, it's all, it's, it's, you standing on tables and you talking shit and you running around a city without no respect. Like them niggas, like these niggas some hoes. No matter where you at, no matter where you from, if you play a motherfucker like that, bro, motherfucker gonna be to see you, period. Simple as that, because it's, it's gutter down here. This ain't all strip clubs. It's some gangster shit. And I don't think motherfuckers were looking at it like that. I think motherfuckers was just like, like it's a tourist trap. Nah, bro, you gotta respect the motherfucker mind wherever you from. If not, a motherfucker gonna spank your ass. Period. Real shit, yeah. All right, so. I don't know if you know, but you know, I spent a lot of time in Tampa, man. And, right. You know, living down there. And I know you go down nah, there a lot, too. Go, yeah, 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 yeah. I lived there for like 20 years, man. Oh, shit. I ain't, so, oh, we, we, we can't folk in. Yeah. <laughs> so I know you've been spending a lot of time working down there. Why is Tampa an important market for you? Well, and right now, I look at Tampa like I looked at Birmingham, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, Memphis, uh, St. Louis 10 years ago, uh, it's, like, it's 813-313, right? So listen, so Tampa Bay 
is an underserved market just like Detroit. There's a lot of, there's a lot of Kendrick spirit going on in Tampa. Tampa Bay got some heavyweight motherfuckers down there who like are superstars. Everybody from the, 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 the Buck Sosas, the Tom G's, uh, the Priceless Scots, uh, the Block Blizzards. There's a bunch of talent down there that, uh, uh, that they, they really didn't get their shot. You feel what I'm saying? So it was like a bunch of explosive talent down there and motherfuckers wasn't really letting them in. So in that way, there's a kinship between Detroit and Tampa Bay. Bunch of superstar motherfuckers down there, underground kings down there who wasn't getting a major shot. So when I first tapped into Tampa, I tapped into my man Torrance T. Lee, uh, DJ Shizzle 95.7 The Beat, that's my man. Uh, uh, Crazy Legs, producer Bolo, who's up here now, but originally mm -hmm. down there too. Uh, when I tapped into them boys, uh, it was just like I felt a kinship with them. We had the same kind of story. It's a bunch of talent, but that talent, you know, wasn't being heard, wasn't being heard on the national level. So when I went down there the first time, uh, fucking T. Lee, Ken Ken, Price and Scott, uh, it was just like I felt like I was at home, and they embraced me. Like I was home. I fucked with the Black Taliban gang. I was in PV, the village, yep. fucking with uh, bruh bruh. And that whole black Taliban squad, and they embraced me. It was like a second home. And the music scene is similar to Detroit. You know what I'm saying? So when I tapped in, it was just like I was at home down there. So I fucked with Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is an important market. It's just as important to me to see motherfuckers from Tampa make it as it is Detroit. Tampa Bay is my second home. I fuck with Tampa heavy. Yeah. So much untapped talent down yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. They're what, just finally now starting to get the. Yeah, the just finally shot now. Down. You know what I'm saying? With the, the Tom G been hot. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Buck Sosa with 300, he's been on fire. Yep. You know what I'm saying? But they still not. It's still a bunch of untapped potential down there that if you don't know, Tampa Bay is the home of some fire breathing fucking dragons, men and women. They got some of the coldest female rappers down there in the Central Florida area as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right, can you explain what the term ghost manager is? Uh, the term ghost manager means, uh, along my journey in terms of a, being a behind the scenes person in management, um, when I was traveling around, and they called me the promo guy in the city of Detroit. Like, when it comes to taking somebody who nobody knows and turning them to somebody who everybody knows, or at least the most important people, in Detroit, when it comes to taking somebody who nobody knows and, and, and kind of like turning them up, can't nobody do that shit better than me. If the budget is there, my mouthpiece and the context of connections and my networking ability, I can take, if a motherfucker can talk, I can turn them up. So along my journey, I had people, like in Detroit, the term manager just normally usually means the motherfucker with the bag, for real. You know what I'm saying? And it's probably like the everywhere. The motherfucker with the bag behind the rapper, they want to be known as the Yo, what's going on, Hope? All is well. I'm Duke. I'm Omar. I'm Jalan. And this is Nice and Neat, the podcast. We're three quintessential friends dedicated to the 360-degree development of men. Our goal is to not only share our experiences, but offer as much value as we possibly can through the lessons we've learned along the way. When I say we talk about everything, we talk about everything. Character, discipline, career development. Oh, and let me not forget, we get real personal. Now make sure you subscribe so you never miss any of our episodes. Write a review. Let us know what you think. Enjoy. Manager because they just do. If I got the money and I'm putting the money behind you, then I'm your motherfucking manager for the most part. You hear me? A lot of them 
was just the motherfuckers with the bread. They don't know a motherfucking thing. Didn't know and don't know to this very day shit about the music business. All they know is how to go trap or how to go bring the bread to the table. So about six, seven years ago, I had, uh, I had a couple of people come to me like, man, listen, I like how you moving. I like your aggressiveness and your assertiveness. I like how you do what you do, dog face. I got my little cousin, my little brother, my stepson and my son can rap. I don't know nothing about this shit, you know what I'm saying? But I got the bridge to make it happen, so, but I want to be known as a manager, you know what I'm saying? But I'll pay you to kind of like put the dots together for me. And at first, I was like, nah, because I know, I want, I want motherfuckers to know that it was me who launched <laughs> this promotional campaign that's getting this traction. I want them to know that it was me who called XYZ radio personality and got XYZ done. But uh, motherfuckers like, dog, I'll pay you to do XYZ. So, I think the first time I ever did it, you know what I'm saying, in terms of ghost management, it just simply means working behind the scenes and not attaching your name to it. The first time I ever did it, somebody came like, dog, I don't, I don't know nothing about this shit you do, that's my little brother, I got the bread, I, I wanna do X, Y, Z, but you know what I'm saying, I want you to kinda like, cause you kinda controversial, cause back then I was just some ill shit. So we don't wanna, we don't wanna be tainted, but we, we know you can do shit. So I said, well, give me 5,000, I'll do whatever you need me to do. You hear me? They paid me. So I said, oh shit. I, shit, I don't give a fuck about no motherfucker. So that's why I killed the whole thing, ghost. Yeah. I'm, nobody knows that I did it. But if you know me and you're familiar with how I, how I do what I do, you know that, that shit's like some dog face shit right there. So that's where the whole term ghost management comes from. Behind the scenes, working in a managerial capacity, but not putting my name on it. Yeah, understood. So what's your relationship like with Helliver and how far back does that go? Uh, shit. My relationship with hell go back, uh, shit, almost 10 years now, man. Okay. I, I linked in with hell early on in, 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 my, in my journey, especially when it comes to, uh, uh, you know, being behind the scenes. Uh, and the funny part about it is I was talking about it, I was talking to him just, I think, yesterday. And uh, during my rap career, when I was rapping, I never rapped on the hell of a beat, bro. <laughs> really? Never. You know what I'm saying? I never rapped on the hell of a beat. It's times where hell would come to my studio. Uh, he was at my studio up in Detroit about, uh, about a month or so ago. We, we chop it up all the time. It's like my brother. We, 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 uh, we, we spend laps psychologically together. We talk about the music business, his success, the things I'm doing, how he moving, how I'm moving. We just chop it up call, talk, I pull up at his crib, he pull up at my crib. Motherfuckers can't pull up at my crib. In the, in the music business, the only motherfucker that has ever been to my house, as long as I've been in this shit, is him. Cause I trust him like that. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like I trust him, trust him type shit, right? So, you know, hell of a, he's been a mentor to me as well. We've been growing together, but you know, he didn't have a lot more success because of who he is, but he didn't brought information back to me that's been usable, that's been serviceable. You know what I'm saying? Because he can tap into anything. He can tap in with anybody in the industry, right? So there's been times where he came back and gave me advice and gave me game about how to move and how to react and respond to certain shit. And he's been another person, along with the Flosses and uh, Chanel Dominique. It's another one. Okay, shout I out forgot. to Chanel. Like Chanel, yeah. right? Chanel, like, dog, you got to calm down, bro. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? You have the intellect you have, but it takes you have the drive. You motivated. But your, your delivery, you're going to chase a lot of potential away because your delivery is, motherfuckers don't, they can't get to the, you a good motherfucker. And all they see you barking and on some aggressive shit, so you got to calm down. So, you know, hell gave me game 
uh, Hale would come to my studio. It's like, he came to my studio last month. We chopped it up and I have all the production equipment there. He had come to my studio and make six, seven beats while we talking. We talking while he making beats because that's what he do. We talk, he's more comfortable behind keyboards and behind, you know, beat machines. He don't really, I got beat machines and shit, but he just used the program and the, the keyboard type shit. It's been times where Hale made six, seven beats in my studio hmm. in about an hour. And there's been times where, and that during those times when he would get up and leave, I like, no, bro, you forgot your beats. I'm like, let me import your shit to this hard drive. Like, no, nah, you can have that shit. You know what I'm saying? His beats, fast, 6,000 a pop, right? So he's like, no, nah, you can have him. Like, no, nah, bro, you this your shit. Like, no, nah, bro, you can have him. You know what I'm saying? What, what I'm supposed to do with him? Like, sell him. So I say, bro, when I sell him, I'm gonna give you the bread. Like, nah, you can have that shit. It's been times, it's been like four, five times in the last year, year and a half, where he didn't came to my studio and made five, six, seven beats and walked out and let me have. I done sold them bitches too. That's major love, yeah. Yeah, I done sold them bitches too. Of course they gonna sell. Yeah, they gonna sell. <laughs> you goddamn right all over the country they gonna sell, you hear me? Real That's stupid. my baby, he good motherfucker, he a rock solid motherfucker. I put my word behind him, fucker fuck with hell. Yeah. It's, it's up there all the way, it's going down, because he a genuinely good motherfucker. Nah, absolutely, yeah. Right. He's definitely motherfucker one of the real sad, Motherfucker got something bad to say about hell, but they a hoe. That's a hoe nigga, period. And what's your relationship like with Al Nuke? Uh, shit, man. Nuke from the city. Nuke is a Nuke is. Nuke is a motherfucker who came from Detroit, came out here and made his way. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So when it comes to uh, being a pioneer in terms of being, you know, a legend in two cities, uh, I don't know if motherfuckers in Atlanta consider him a legend, but. Nuke has showed motherfuckers in Detroit that there is power in moving around. There is power in, and you can recreate yourself, right? And there's, there's life beyond Detroit. Uh, I didn't have, we, we've been, you know, last, uh, when, it, when it comes to Atlanta, I come down here, he showed me a lot of love. Put me in a lot of circles that it would have took me longer to get in had it not been for his connections and his relationship with everybody from Cassius J to Zaytoven, who already know. So, you know, he has put me in some circles and introduced me to people down here that motherfuckers dream about meeting, just like that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So for that, i forever be thankful for him. You know what I'm saying? I ain't talked to him in a minute, but he made certain shit happen for me that, you know, without charging me, that other motherfuckers would have charged or wouldn't have done, you feel mm -hmm. me? He never, he had no connection from me. You know, whenever I've been around, he's like, there you go, bro, come tap in with this, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. All right, so I gotta ask you about this recent incident at the club up there in Detroit, man. Uh, where, <laughs> was it five people tried to run up on you? Maybe even more, man. So what happened with that whole thing? Uh, you met the motherfucker who was kind of like, and I ain't gonna go into a bunch of detail. What I will say, man, is that sometimes you can't help a motherfucker, bro. Sometimes you gotta let a motherfucker sink and swim on his own. Uh, but what I will say about that, without even mentioning bitch ass nigga's name, right? Nigga, fuck nigga, 100%, no doubt. But I ain't even finna get no nigga no. Uh, no type of motherfucker air on no platform like this. Nigga, fuck nigga. Nigga, jealous. Move and operate out of jealousy. And when it come to that, I ain't never going. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what nigga was thinking. 
I don't know what he told his people. I ain't never going. Never. You gotta, you gotta bring some ass over here. I ain't going. The video speaks for itself. Motherfucker, any motherfucker want up on me. And this ain't no open invitation, because no, I'm old. I got kids. I ain't nobody want to be involved with that shit. You know what I'm saying? But I want, I want motherfuckers to know that I didn't been over backwards to help motherfuckers, man. You know what I'm saying? I didn't been over backwards, found funding, paid for shit out of my own pocket, made phone calls, tapped in with, you know what I'm saying, to help motherfuckers, and I ain't have to. Nigga ain't no kidding to me. I did it out of love. Nigga never gave me a bologna sandwich. Nigga never bought me a soup. Nigga never bought me a Fago pop, bro. You know what I'm saying? So that was a lesson for me. But that club situation, I ain't going. Nigga run up on me, you get in the business. You know what I'm saying? I ain't, ain't, ain't you know, I guess motherfuckers thought I was gonna fold up. Cause they approached me with several motherfuckers. And, I, and talking about what's up with that shit you was talking? I said, well I said, fuck you, suck my dick. That's what's up, you hear me? Motherfucker, you do too much talking. And you can't do no talking with me, bro. You can't walk up to me and confront me and do no talking, bro. I ain't finna, I ain't finna wait to see what the fuck you talking about. Bitch, it's going down, period. That's what happened. The video, speak, the video don't lie. But nigga, a whole nigga, you know what I'm saying? And I'm gonna use every motherfucking fiber of my being to make sure that wrong is corrected, you hear me? And they ain't got to even be about no street shit because them niggas some hoes. Broke niggas ain't got nothing. They never gonna have nothing. Say no more, man. All right, so a lot of people may not know you're actually an author too, man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So talk about the book that you wrote and you got another one in the works too, right? Right, yeah. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a published author. Uh, my first book was published in 2012. It's called Ass, Track, Multiply, and Divide. Uh, shout out to the shoe lady, AKA the owner of the Imperial Publishing. Uh, Ass, Track, Multiply, and Divide, it's really like a play on words. It's about social engineering. It's about economics. It's about religion. It's about all things that affect the urban community, not just in Detroit, but across the country. Uh, I talk about everything from religion to politics to history in the book. Uh, when the book came out, it was controversial. It was a motherfucker because I said some things about the so-called black church and how I felt like the black church kind of like abandoned the original purpose. Uh, and so I got a bunch of controversy from a lot of the pastors and bishops in Detroit because it's like you can't criticize the black church. They ain't going to have that shit. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of certain, it's a certain shit that you can't say or they don't want you to say. But I said it. Uh, so it is what it is. Ask, track, multiply, and divide. It's available everywhere. Amazon, Google, everywhere. Uh, my book that's being released November 1st. Okay. It's called The Little Black Book. So it's already done. Yeah, it's already done. Okay. It's already okay. done. It's scheduled to be released on November 1st. The Little Black Book, it is an insider's guide to a rating system in terms of all the artists that I know in the city of Detroit that I'm familiar with. It's a rating system. And it's not for just the general. It, I wrote the book with the, the, the tastemakers and the, the, the executives, record labels and the A&Rs in mind. If you want to know who hot, City of Detroit, from if you want to know who's like a multifaceted artist, not just a rapper but a writer, because you can make a living in the music business as a writer, as a ghostwriter, right? So I'm rating the artists from the City of Detroit, and I'm presenting this body of work for the purposes of giving it to the executives: who's ready, who's not ready, how how much, how ready are they? So it's like a scale rating system, a guidebook. It's called the Little Black Book. 313. And uh, I'm also in negotiations with a couple of people about doing uh, the uh, 404 too and doing the 813. I'm okay. working hand in hand with my man Coffee. 
who here in Atlanta, but coffee is originally from Tampa Bay as well. Mm -hmm. We're gonna do a version of the book for Atlanta. We're gonna do a version of rating system. Like a cheat, like, like a Cliff Notes version of, if you're an executive, who hot in that city? We're gonna give them, we're gonna, give, we're gonna rate all of the worthy artists who worthy of being rated, we're gonna rate that. Yeah, that's dope right there, man. So how the hell do you balance all these things that you do, man? You wear so many different hats and have time to be a father as well. Well, shit, well, where I come from, man, you don't, you don't work, you don't eat. Uh, I don't have time to be tired. You know I mean? There are things that I want to do. I want to leave a legacy. When I came home from the penitentiary, bro, doing all that time, my son would tell you, man, uh, you know, I, I, didn't, I don't want my kids to look at me. I didn't, I didn't want them to look at me like I was just a prisoner who had been in prison. There, I, I wanted to make a mark. So when I got in the music business, uh, I, 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 I used the music business and the entertainment game as a vessel. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm good at it. I know what I'm doing. And uh, I'm using it as a vehicle to kind of like catapult myself into, you know, some form of success. I have other businesses as well, but, you know, I just, I don't even think about it, bro. I put my head down, my, my mind, it works. It, it works. It's a vibrant motherfucking thing. You feel me? <laughs> so I'm always looking for, I never stop, bro. I'm always looking for the next big thing. Like right now, as I'm talking to you, uh, even though I'm in the moment right now, I'm, I'm talking to you, but in my mind, it's like different chambers of that shit, right? I'm calculating what my next move gonna be next week, next month. No, I'm calculating that shit, right? I just started a film production company. Okay. It's called Elite Media Films. I partnered up with SYB, the company, my homegirl, Stacey Barker, my man, Measy, who owns Elite Media. So we partnered up and formed a film production company. Uh, we're shooting our first uh, movie called Special Delivery. Uh, we started shooting on that, uh, I think the 17th of, this, of, of October. Okay. All right. So and, uh, with SYB, uh, the company, and with the Planet Rock DJs, because I founded the, I, I'm, the, I'm the founder and the uh, uh, president of the Planet Rock DJs. So I'm working hand in hand with SYB, the company, bro, trying to find talent. Uh, we had a situation that just took place, the one you just alluded to earlier, mm -hmm. where a motherfucker, we kind of like set a motherfucker up. You know, he blew what could have been a quarter million dollar deal, production deal with hell of all that shit. Oh, wow. So I don't let none of that shit discourage me. I'm keeping it moving, you feel me? I got you, man. All right, you got any last words you'd like to give? Any shout outs before we wrap it up, Dogface? Uh, shout out my son, Legendary Reach. Shout out all my kids. Um, Elite Media, Stacey Barker, everybody who's been instrumental to help me get to where I uh, need to be. Shout out Uncle Zippy, Zip Life Mo, the whole Dirty Little Bastard family, man. Uh, shout out to everybody who's been instrumental, everybody who's been helpful, everybody who's been useful. Uh, I don't want to forget nobody, but man, I, I, I love y'all, man. So I know motherfuckers look at it like, oh, dog face, I was on some ill shit, but for real, for real, I want to see motherfuckers make it. And I, I, I live my life trying to aid and assist motherfuckers to get to where they need to be. You feel what I'm saying? I get my blessings that way. So uh, shout out to everybody who fuck with me, man. If you don't fuck with me, you know I'm gonna call you a po' broke ass bitch. <laughs> it is what it is, man. Salute. Hit the hound, slide out of town with it Break them down, songs in the pounds with it Hit it twice, once it bounce back nice Fuck When something happens to your kitchen, you might say This is ludicrous But that won't fix your home That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous Having trouble? Don't panic Don't be alarmed You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there That's right, you can file a claim on the app or call us 
Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois.